Welcome to the Limitless Athlete Podcast by Mindset RX. I'm your host, Tom Foxley, and you're listening to The Debrief, where myself and Rachel Burnett, our head coach, will discuss the key lessons and insights gleaned from the Limitless Athlete Podcast interview with the incredible athlete, Alison Scuds. You can listen to this show in isolation as a kind of distillation of the major points of the interview with Ali, or you can listen to the interview and follow it up by listening to the podcast. It's your choice. Now, let's get on with the show. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay. That's part of the deal. It's how I respond to it. What impressed me about Allison was, again, that combination that we find time and time again in successful, however you want to phrase successful athletes, of a great upbringing that was conducive to a mindset that serves them, combined with the hard work with yourself of course um but also the hard work in everything that she's doing of like okay i'm gonna work on my own mentality the aspect that i think she got from her family and her upbringing was this you'll figure it out mentality she -hmm. mentioned you'll figure it out like time time again okay like you've got this you'll figure this out like this challenging situation you'll figure this out um it was really cool to see why do you think that is such an important mentality for athletes to have. Yeah. You know, the, the sense of, I can figure this out. I can do this is what's known as self-efficacy. So self-efficacy is the belief in our ability to overcome obstacles. It's essentially a belief in our competence, right? So growing up, having a parent who doesn't solve our problems for us, but tells us that we can solve our own problems and they believe in our ability to do that. That really hits the sweet spot for building self-efficacy from a young age. Yeah. Really nice. How can athletes go around, uh, go about building self-efficacy for themselves? (laughs) There we go. Elf-efficacy. They get it. Uh, So one of the One of the key components of self-efficacy is putting ourselves in situations where we're hitting the right challenge skills balance. If we put ourselves in situations where we're, we're in a hyper aroused state, we're anxious or so nervous that we can't perform, we're going to reinforce non-serving stories about our belief to overcome obstacles. If on the other hand, we're always in our comfort zone. We never have the opportunity to build the belief. So we're back to believing in ourselves requires being in that threshold, that threshold zone where we're out of the comfort zone, but we're not entering the panic zone. We have to prove the story to ourselves that we can do it. Okay. So there's this comfort zone of like, this fits entirely with my narrative, my story of this is who I am. And my identity completely matches up to the tasks that I'm expected of in this zone. So if you're a if you're a rower coming into a CrossFit scenario, this is all your rowing and probably aerobic based stuff. Cause it's like, Oh, you know what? I'm comfortable in this. Yeah. Um, outside of that, 
and too far into that like hyper arousal anxious area would probably be something like a weightlifting meet right without any training or without like the um, identity catching up yeah somewhere in the middle would be something like um okay i'm going to do some dedicated gymnastics practice but still fall back on um or still kind of know the safety of my endurance background my rowing yes. background something like that yes yeah awesome awesome how like think about other challenges that athlete athletes face how would you apply this kind of self-efficacy and finding this middle ground this this appropriate threshold in let's say uh competition anxiety competition nerves mm, yeah so if an athlete well one our goal is not to get rid of competition nerves. That's not possible. Every athlete is nervous before a competition. If we're not nervous before a competition, it either means that you know you can win and so the competition is not hard enough, or it means that you're going in an under aroused state. So you don't care very much about the results. However, if we're going into a competition nervous and we're finding that it's impacting our performance, some methods for creating wins can be very helpful. So having a clear understanding of how you want to define success, both in the event at large and in individual events. And your definition of success should be something that is you aiming up. So something that you're striving for 1% better, something that is barely attainable, but still attainable. Yeah. So does that answer your question? Yeah. 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 So we're, we're, we're still aiming at something that's attainable, something that's stretching us. I really liked what yeah. you, we, you linked in something there that we were talking about just before the show started as well um, as aiming at the character skills um, and really resonating with, okay, this is who I need to become. Yes. Um, we speak about we've spoken about this in a few in a few ways you've just run the most recent seminar how you how were you talking to athletes in this seminar about it um and how do you encourage athletes to continue working on this kind of on on becoming who they need to become yeah i love to start with what's your what's your greatest wish right now what's your greatest challenge like what problem would you solve so thinking if i could do anything in three years, what would be really meaningful to me? And then building backwards, essentially reverse engineering and saying, okay, who do I have to be in order to have that life three years from now? Okay. And then those character skills give us a, um, an objective in the moment yeah. to kind of say, okay, in order to get to this ultimate three, a vision of, I don't know, winning such and such competition, I need to display more of this character skill, for example, yeah. courage or compassion or um, like, yeah, pick, pick your character skill. Yeah. So in this workout, I'm going into it with the idea of practicing resilience with practicing embracing the unknown in practicing having compassion with myself or awareness of my internal state something like that yeah and really going in and having a clear understanding of what that means for each event is really important if it's very broad then it's easy to essentially get lost in the weeds so knowing like what aiming up is in one event for example um a row 
right? If you're a good rower aiming up in the, in a rowing event, that's going to look very different for you than aiming up in a weightlifting event. If that's not your jam and the opposite is true too. So understanding what that event has to offer you in terms of opportunities. So what challenges are there to give you the opportunity to be that person? That's really critical to know too. Sweet. What did you consider a salient point from Allison's interview that you'd like to chat about? How do I pick one? So So I, I was really, I was really struck by something she, she said, um, I think the question you were asking her was what made you choose to go into a bio biomedical engineering degree? Like what, like why that? Um, and what she said was one, it hit a lot of interest for her. But the second thing she said was, I like challenges and doing things that others are scared to do. Um, and I think that that stems from self-efficacy, but when you believe that you can figure things out and overcome challenges, then challenges are no longer frightening. They're opportunities to see what you're made of. Okay. Brilliant. So she's putting herself in these challenging situations. And this is actually something she talked about time and time again, really, isn't it? Like it came back to, it's like, I like doing these things that push me, challenge me, um, kind of force me to up level, um, because I'm, I'm putting myself in those situations. It's, it's kind of a sink or swim situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And her, her determination to do those things too, is really powerful. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's very, very determined. She kind of, she has those skills gone. Sorry. I think that that's another component of self-efficacy that is sometimes lost. She is very quick to ask for help or seek knowledge elsewhere. Right. So when she knew that mindset was the thing getting in her way, she sought mindset training. It's, it's like this little consistent thing of who do I need to talk to where, what's the environment that I need to be in to maximize my uh, my next level yeah that's interesting because she reached out to us to work with us and yeah. it's like an instagram message and it's like i want to work with you <laughs> and it's like okay i've, I've identified this job okay. does some research <laughs> and it's like yeah i want to be in i want to i want to get going on this cool. um and yeah and she's exactly the same really about moving to vegas and mm-hmm. into, into that training environment it's like okay this one i want to change um mm. without sharing anything that you feel that she wouldn't be willing to share how have you worked with her and what's the the process look like that uh, in that and kind of what came out within this podcast that you've worked on together Ooh, um a lot of our a lot of our original work together was very general and around training once we got into the 2021 season then we started to run through some very specific skills and drills so Allison, I can trust her to be a racehorse. Uh, as Ben Bergeron says, when I tell her we're going to do this, she's like, all right, I'm going to try it. And it's never, it's never, a, um, <laughs> it's never, I never have to fight her on it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. She's willing to try anything. So when we were doing our competition preparation, it was a lot of exploration around what are the non-serving stories that are going to arise at critical moments? How can we build more awareness of them in the moment? That's the hard work that she had to do. Cause I can't be standing behind her during an event going, mm-hmm. I can see that you're in bound nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
shut it down. So a lot of this is internal boundary setting. So essentially teaching internal boundary setting. When you hear those voices arise that are non-serving, having some prepared statements to provide to them, creating uh, gestures that are that are reminders um, to you know, let something go, move on from it. Yeah, there was a lot. Our, our competition prep was very detailed. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. I was, I've just finished up recording the podcast with Chris Hinshaw and he's talking about the sticking point and he was talking about having that very truthful and honest awareness of at some point this is gonna suck this is gonna get really hard and I'm gonna kind of get intense in those moments and I know it's gonna feel awful but also having a response to that also having something that's like, okay, now I'm going to reply to this with some pre-thought out phrases. Yes. And I'm, I'm currently reading Peak Performance. Uh, Stolberg and Magnus are the authors. One of the things that they're talking about is in athletics, elite level athletes are experienced at having what they call calm conversations with themselves. So they do internal boundary setting. It's noticing the deep discomfort and intensity that we end up in, in workouts or games and having that ability to say, okay, this is really hard. That's good. That's, that means that we're growing. That means we're being challenged and I want this. Mm, it's back to that self, uh, self, self parenting relationship. You, yeah. you kind of, you develop the right. parallels that are pretty intense like self-parenting is obviously through quite a general lens and this is quite specific to training but it's like okay i'm gonna have the conversations with me that the most ideal representation of parenthood would look like um and so it's like encouraging but also pushing it's that mix of maternal and paternal kind of um, stereotypes there it's kind of yeah it pushes you to confront challenge but also is reassuring like can you have those conversations with yourself that's what we're we're looking for there yes Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What else came up for you in this in this podcast? What, what things like I'd like to point out as well that it's such a great um I won't say advertisement, but it's it's an endorsement of of you and your coaching. Um and it's really cool. Like the the last 45 minutes or so, especially, it was like, yeah, you're the best. And <laughs> you're the best person I know. Um so yeah, it is really cool to see that. Uh, I, um, yeah, I could gush about her forever. So <laughs> <laughs> a gush fest, um, yeah, there's, there's so many cool, like little snippets that I bought out, um, yeah. or the, the, sorry that I picked out from this conversation. One of them was, I suppose links that you'll figure this out mentality is this yeah. idea that she's never thought of it as strange to be embarrassed about failure is this kind of subconsciously reassured like oh you know what i'm gonna go forward and she gave the example about um falling over ice skating and her friend coming over saying oh i wish i was more like that um yeah yeah, that is baked deep into her through repetition and that's a really cool skill that i think athletes as a whole need to um to work on can we say humans as a whole need to work on no we can't Uh, (laughs) yeah we we definitely can (laughs) She, what she said, I had this uh, highlighted too in my notes. If you only do things you know you're going to succeed at, you're never going to find that boundary. So I think that there is a desire 
to find our like limits, right? To find and push them. Uh, but also the, uh, what did I, what did I write down here? Uh, but also the, I've never been, I've never been afraid to put myself out there and fail. Like, like the, like the quote she had was like, I'll try it. Right. I'll be the first one to like make a fool of myself. That lack of self-consciousness usually points to having a high ability to love ourselves. It points to self-love. It's the opposite of self-consciousness. We've transcended a few levels there and you have heard a phrase yeah, that um, uh, makes a lot of CrossFitters go, uh, what, what's, what's this stuff like? Yeah, what's this Gross. stuff like? Okay, so <laughs> why is this so important? Um, what do you mean by self-love? Um, yeah. yeah, break that down for us. Yeah, what do I mean? We talked about this at the seminar too, because I know it makes people really uncomfortable, but we have to talk about self-consciousness and we can't without talking about its opposite. So self-love is the ability to, we're just talking about parenting, to view ourselves through the lens of a whole person who has both good qualities and qualities that we want to improve and being deserving of our affection towards ourselves. So Self-love isn't, I'm fine the way I am. I totally accept myself exactly the way I am and I never make mistakes and I'm not going to worry about growth. Self-love is acceptance and forgiveness of ourselves for our mistakes, but it's also the ability to kick ourselves in the pants when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's what good parents do. <laughs> yeah. How do we work on that? Like it's, it's obviously very difficult to step outside of our story without the awareness. Um, and to do that, what steps do you often take with yourself? Actually, yeah, this, this is how, how do you work on that for yourself? Yeah. So I, like many people grew up, um, into adulthood, believing that the way to get myself to perform highly was to flagellate myself to basically berate myself into doing better. You know, my self-talk often looked like, why are you so stupid? Why did you do that? What I have come to realize now later in my adulthood is that stems from self-loathing. And when we loathe someone, we don't want what's best for them. We're focused on outcomes in order to find worthiness. So there are a lot of components to working on this. One is, as you said, awareness. So recognizing when that self-loathing is arising and understanding where it's stemming from. We don't, we don't talk much about influences when we, well, we do, we talk about environmental influences, especially with the Adam Neifert podcast, but understanding the origins of a lot of those non-serving stories can be a catalyst for understanding, oh, that's why I believe that that experience does not have to reflect upon my whole life now because I'm not in that situation anymore. So the example I can give is growing up in an abusive home, I had very little self-worth. Knowing that many of my stories arose from the way that I was raised and treated as a child makes it a lot easier for me to say, well, that was unacceptable. So my belief systems can change. What I really like there is how you're focusing the first step of the mindset rx method which is testing 
Absolutely. Like straight in. It's like, what does this look like? Where does this come from? How does it show up in my thoughts, my emotions, physical sensations, behaviors? Like, what is the, my starting point here? And how does I get here? Like, yeah. that is always the first step. And until we've done that, we can't just try and write a subconscious story. Uh, sorry, write a conscious story over the subconscious. Yeah. The image that comes to mind is like, imagine you've got a book there and you've opened it up to a page and say like, oh i don't like this page i'm gonna try and just write over the top i'm gonna try and like just just get my pen out and write over the top it's unintelligible it's messy you've got too many things going on at once and you can't focus on one thing best thing to do rip that page out put another page in there and just go okay right now i'm going to start from blank so i've tested i've seen it i've made the objective uh, made the kind of subjective almost objective and yeah. now i'm going to start afresh from that point Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it, that story will always crop up if it's not addressed first. So I can't just say like, no, I do love myself. That just doesn't, mm -hmm. it just doesn't yeah, work. Because your internal bullshit detector goes, no, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say that. yeah you don't deserve love. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's why we've got to test first. And then that comes into the point where it's like, okay, I'm going to start aiming up. I'm going to aim at success, yeah. aim at growth. When that comes to generating self-love and to getting rid of that um oh what's the what's the word that we're using moving beyond the self um consciousness consciousness there we go i'm back into it um when moving beyond that how do we aim up there like what's the progress what does the progression look like progression looks first like understanding what you like most about yourself that you wouldn't change for any reason so what are your passions principles and purpose. If we know what those things are, it's much, much easier to stay within our, our zone of, uh, control mm -hmm. rather than trying to contort ourselves into being something that others want us to be, which is essentially what self-consciousness is. It's a need for approval from other people. Okay. So if we, we approve of ourselves, then we don't need that. But it's so much easier to say, I want to weigh this much or I want to um, hit this, this weight snatch. Easy, easy doesn't easy. work though. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, so we have this deeper level of aiming up and then we're using that kind of presence that we've spoken about. So the, the third um, the third step of, of the MySerx method is presence. So it's like, okay, I'm focusing on now. I'm aware of those things that I've brought up. I'm going to kind of frame this as bound nature or they're going to try and generate awareness of free nature. So I'm focused in, in that moment and I'm, I'm deeply aware of it. So I can sense when I'm falling back into those mental hey if you're enjoying this episode chances are you'll enjoy our free ebook how to stop substandard self-critical plateaus and unleash your potential it's a step-by-step -step guide to finding your mojo again and getting back to the athlete you know you can be it's free you just have to stick your email address in and download it to find it, head to mindsetrx.com slash ebook. That's mindsetrxd.com slash ebook. Now let's get on with the show. Um, and then in terms of proof, in terms of proving to our subconscious what this new story is and doing things that again, prove into it and reinforcing why they're good. What does that look like? Well, 
another component of our practice is the direction review. So when we can set very specific intentions around today, I am focused on this aspect of my values or my passions. This is what, this is specifically my opportunities for today to rewrite the story that I'm trying to rewrite. AMWAPs, as many ones as possible, also play a role in this. So having that uh, connection and actually writing it down is really powerful. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, lovely. So we reinforce. We're going over it again. Like I have yeah. a I have a wonderful example from one of our DMG athletes, Grace. She she has a really hard time, or I should say, had a really hard time giving herself credit for doing things. Uh, not perfectly. So a really good example is training. Many of us come into CrossFit with all or nothing thinking it's either I nailed my training session and it was perfect or that sucked. And it would have been better if I had just stayed in bed today. And that's just not the truth. That kind of binary thinking is very non-serving. So what Grace has worked on is when she shows up to train when she is in, in that like state where she can tell, like, it's not a 100% day. I need an active recovery day. What she does now is she gives herself actual credit for training. So she literally pats herself on the shoulder and says, great job. You did it. And even she found this very silly and was a little uncomfortable with it, but it worked. It worked. Like she now believes when she shows up to a training session that she did a great job. Like that's just, again, parenting yourself. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how simple that step is. And it obviously comes from good coaching and, and knowing that system sure. well. Um, yeah. but it's, it's a very simple step and yeah. it takes some time, some repetition. It takes an element of feeling awkward and uncomfortable and like you're standing vulnerability. up. Vulnerability. Yeah. Vulnerability. There we go. And it, but it works and it yeah. rewrites the story and then everything just gets a little bit better. We take a oh, step yeah. forward. We, um, we become a slightly better version of ourselves because of that. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. You know what I found interesting as well? Well, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to ask you a question and then answer yeah. it myself. Okay. Um <laughs> is is the idea of beliefs becoming self-fulfilling prophecies. So Alison talked about this before she um before she, she began working with us and with you in particular. She had this kind of idea of like oh I think she said something like I knew I wasn't going to do very well or I knew that it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't being going to be a good event and how many athletes do we speak to especially the more competitive ones that's like oh I knew that wasn't going to go well I know yeah. that it's it's not right and it's like probably some of that's come from like the the proof that the subconscious is observing of right. like actually I haven't been trained the way I, I, I possibly could yes. have done I haven't been doing this but there's also at the heart of that is the belief I'm not going to do very well, which probably created those actions and behaviors anyway. Um, yes. So good call often, out. Yes. Often we get kind of a bit, although the idea that beliefs create our outcomes become a kind of, they, 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 they appear a little bit woo woo or a bit of like, Oh, how can what I think create reality? How can yeah. it, it create what I achieve? But what we mean is basically that, everything becomes processed through that lens. Everything becomes tinged by the color of that lens. And that then um, changes your emotions around the events and then changes your behaviors around it too. Um, so yeah. that's how it creates your reality. 
Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. What else did you find interesting? Actually, one of the things I found interesting was something you said. Ooh. 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 I, I italicized it. In fact, um, the reason we do anything is to change our mental state. Mm. Is anybody else's, anyone else listening have their mind blown by that? I was like, wait, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think that's worth highlighting. The reason that we do literally anything is to change our mental state. The reason that we take on goals. What what else were your examples? I think the reason we drink. (laughs) Yeah. The, the reason we, we do anything like it's, it's anything. literally anything. the reason we go to sleep is because we're looking to change, to like, to modulate our mental state, to feel different. The reason we talk to people is because you want to feel different. The reason we shut ourselves down and don't talk to people is because you want to feel different. We don't want to feel the anxiety or feel the emotional state. So everything that we do is around the subject of changing the way we feel um and once you've realized that you realize that you're kind of you're carrying out a story you're living out a story and you're pushed around by your emotional states you're like you're in those grooves you're in those ruts and you just follow it like a kind of like a marble in a rut you can just like oh i'll go along this kind of little this rut and journey the same one i've been long before it's this constant loop of emotion and thought and behavior that kind of feeds back into yeah and reactions exactly um so we have to observe that and we have to observe our mental state and we have to observe like the oh okay i'm feeling this and I'm going to have those kind of pre-established systems for how I'm going to react for it um, or sorry, respond to it as opposed to react instinctively. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think that gives us a lot of um, control over what happens. And it also absolutely. gives us perspective over, and it, I think it gives us the ability to change our behaviors. Mm-hmm. It gives us that kind of ah yeah okay i see my thoughts i see my emotions i see them as something separate from myself that i'm not completely identified with and then i can change you know the the description of that kind of reactive lifestyle of you know kind of doing the same things over and over again even though they're non-serving what that describes is system one thinking so it's your it's your easy path it takes the least amount of energy for your brain to think about it in when we start to work on mindset, we find that we are, we're asking ourselves to engage in what's called system two thinking. And that is the very deliberate and conscious type of thinking that leads to problem solving and creativity. So, and it's much more energy intensive. It it takes a lot of work. I think a lot of people enter mindset work thinking this is going to feel great. And, uh, it's just going to be rainbows and sunshine, but in reality it's work. That's why we call it mindset work. Yeah. There's, I think it's almost been propagated by the, the spiritual journey of um, you're going to become enlightened and you're going to feel yeah. blissful. And this yes. is what enlightenment is. And this is what yeah. spiritual growth is. And this is what um, great therapy is. It's just like, I'm going to be walking in sunshine because we're, yeah. for some reason, we're obsessed with this idea that we should be happy the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah, newsflash. Happy, <laughs> happy and comfortable all the time. Yeah, yeah, happy and comfortable and nothing should ever upset us. Like yeah. life is going to be full of that. And yeah. good mindset work is doing anything but hiding from the truth. And the truth is 
uncomfortable and the truth isn't what you've the truth is daunting and scary and dark um but the thing that makes it even daunt more daunting scarier and darker is turning away from it and pretending it doesn't exist it's like a a dragon that you try and hide under a carpet and each time you turn away from it it grows a little bit bigger and then you turn away from it again it's like oh that really is scary this time and now i'm going to turn away from it and it like it's even bigger and even bigger and even bigger and it's like it starts off small and we often don't look at these things because they appear too big at the time but mm-hmm. guess what? It's on its way to become even bigger and more. I can't remember what three adjectives I used to describe it, but even more scary. Daunting ear. <laughs> Daunting ear, yeah. <laughs> um, that one. And scarier, scarier sure. Um, yeah. Um, so we've got to we've got to look at things and like it's it's the truth. Truth will set us free, but it's also really fucking painful. Yeah, it's painful and scary. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Can we, um, can we talk about the 6k ruck run event that she brought up? Absolutely. What, what interested you about that? So much actually. Um, that is the event that, um, Chris Henshaw was, uh, uh, commentating on Mm. with the normal commentators and, uh, what Allison said about it reflects what Chris said about it, which is basically like, it's 45 minutes of just talking to yourself. There's very little skill. You're just in your head. Mm-hmm. with like 50 to 70 pounds on your back, right? Like it was pretty heavy. Yeah. And what I find interesting about that is how it's to some people that would be the most daunting ish um, story uh, challenge of the whole thing is yes. that I've got to confront my mentality. I've got to confront my, um, my thoughts and my emotions. And I really don't like doing that yeah. for other people. It's like, great. This is yeah. my chance to what like to prove my mentality to myself. It's my chance to um, prove that I've put this work in. It's a chance to um, to use this work that I've put in. Yeah. It's a chance for me to show to myself that my thoughts and my emotions di- don't dictate who I become. Um, it's yeah, it's a, it's an opportunity rather than an obstacle. Totally, and I think that a monostructural event or, or training session is one of the best places to examine and test our mentality because there is very little distraction with transitions and multiple movements. Uh, if you can do it without music, then that's even better, but it really allows you to tune in to what's going on mentally and understand what your stories are and how you can start to address them more effectively. So, you know, Allison went into West coast classic with the focus of I'm giving my best effort for every event, like whatever that is, that's my job today. So she's asking herself within that, you know, headspace in the 6k ruck run, like what's in my control at every moment. I don't control the weight that they've selected for the workout. I don't control the workout. Don't control how fast other people go. Only what's in my control is what's on her mind. And that's why she moved 10 places. I think she moved up 10 places after the first lap because she was just focused on her best effort. Mm-hmm. that's um such a parallel to emily rolf talking about rock yeah. run in the games as well it was in the was it, it was episode one of this this podcast and um, right. she she saw it as an opportunity again she's like okay i've got this time I've got this space and i'm just going to do what's in my control at any given moment and that's all i'm going to do i'm not going to waste mental energy 
on on the rest of the stuff because it is a waste of mental energy mm. it absolutely yeah. is yeah i think yeah. what's very hard about this and does just speak it's interesting that just speaking to Chris um, on the, another podcast. Um, and he came up, well, he was talking about how we often tune into, like, across it's so popular because one thing that the short time domain allows us to do is not tune into our mental events and shut it down and force it and suppress it. Um, an endurance event forces you to confront that. Um, extreme discomfort of mental state which i think is one of the reasons why um people you meet who are very good at endurance events are often quite calm and quite oh, yeah. chill and i think it's that state that you're forced to go into to to deal with that yeah having the calm conversation yeah exactly you've got time to have that conversation you've got time to yeah. work it out yeah yeah. And that actually brings me to what Allison talked about for her, her daily, uh, mental health work is time and space for quiet time. So she meditates, she does breath work, she does her journaling and those, those specific tasks are so key for shutting down the brain giving it room to have insights and, uh, creative moments as well as building what's called metacognition, which is an executive function of the brain. And that the easiest way I can describe this is it's thinking about thinking. So executive, like executive, meaning that like almost like an executive in a, in a, um, in a business setting, it's like, okay, mm. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm taking a step back from the day-to-day runnings and I'm watching, I'm observing. Yeah. Um, and then metacognition being that kind of, again, I'm like observing my observance. Like I'm, I'm very aware of the thoughts that I'm having. Yes. The executive functions of the brain happen in the prefrontal cortex, which is where um, like impulse control happens. Another critical uh, skill that athletes need, especially elite mm -hmm. level athletes. Uh, but yes, metacognition is thinking about thinking. So it is the ability to recognize thoughts, stories, emotions, and not, as you said in previous podcasts, be captivated by them, be completely consumed by them. Yeah. The interesting thing about that prefrontal cortex as well is that it only stops developing on average at 25 and yeah. it, it, and later in guys, which is one of the reasons I think that guys do such stupid things until they're like 28, 29. And then they have the old shit moment of like, oh, actually, like I've definitely done this. This is, this is an exact um, replication of my life or <laughs> like do, do, do stupid shit until I'm like 27 and then kind of go, Oh, <laughs> I need to need to work on this. That that didn't That's work out very well. Story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, yeah. Impulse control wasn't there, and yeah. like and then it and it gets there, and like actually meditation became easier at that time as well. Yes, I can definitely see that. Being still yeah. is very challenging for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to chat about today? Oh, is there anything else? Those are the main ones I wanted to hit. Yeah. 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 I think we, we nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. One thing wow. that I will mention is the mindset upgrade course that you've so kindly produced and so excellently produced, um, which I'm very excited to bring out to the general public. Can you give me a quick idea because it's going to be released on the 25th, 26th of November, the Wednesday before black Friday. Um, can you give 
me and us an idea of what it is, who it's for, um, and yeah, why we created it. Yeah. The Mindset Upgrade course is a completely self-led mindset introduction. So it is for anyone who is interested in working on their mindset. I specifically developed it to give, give a broad enough introduction that you can learn the methodology of mindset RX and apply it to any problem you're having. So it is intended to be specific. Let's say that I'm coming in really wanting to improve some aspect of my training. I can apply this course to that aspect of training that I want to improve, but you'll have access to it after you're finished with it. So you can run through the entire course again, when some other challenge arises. Nice. So we can apply it to all areas of our life. We exactly. can do it in our own time. We don't have to be at um, certain place at a certain time. We don't have to start it on a certain date like we do with the mindset training camp. It's exactly. accessible to anyone at any time. That's right. You can do it as quickly or as slowly as you'd like to. Very nice. And yeah, yeah this is going on sale with a really cool offer, um, which I'm not, I'm just going to leave it hanging there. Um, yeah. the, it's, it's a really cool offer. It's like, it's going to be available next week when we record this and it's going to be available on our website. Thank you for listening to the debrief partner episode of the limitless athlete podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. We'll be speaking to CrossFit Games athletes, coaches, authors, and other inspiring people who are going to help you find your next level inside and outside of the gym. Loads of awesome future podcasts coming right up. If you can leave a great five-star review and share the episode with your friends, that would be great. See you next week with another mindset-shifting interview and a debrief episode to follow up.